Welcome to the Sages Among Us. What makes a community great? Most importantly, it's the people who live and work there and are engaged in community life. The Sages Among Us focuses on those people, what they do and why they do it, and celebrates the leadership, time, and energy they bring to making a positive difference for all of us. I'm Lori Burkhart Frank, and I'm very pleased to introduce you to my guest tonight. Scott Neely, MD, FACP, President and CEO of Sierra Nevada Memorial Hospital. Dr. Neely has been in his current role since March of 2022. He is a graduate of Harvard University, University of London, Stanford University of Medicine, the University of Massachusetts Amherst, and completed his residency and fellowship training at the University of Chicago Hospitals, is board certified in internal medicine, pulmonary diseases, critical care medicine, and hospice and palliative care medicine. And there is so much more. Dr. Neely, welcome to Sages Among Us. All right. So thanks for being here on the show. And uh, I know in the introduction, I just touched the surface of the experience, knowledge, and passion you bring to Sierra Nevada Memorial Hospital in our community. I'd love to, to get to know a little bit about your early years and delve into some of your vast experiences. Uh, so where did you grow up? I grew up uh, in Canby, Oregon. Uh, it, at least at that time, was uh, quite a small town in the Willamette Valley. Uh, it was an agricultural community. I, uh, I grew up working on farms and in tree nurseries, uh, picking berries. Um, uh, it was uh, uh, truly a great place to grow up. Canby's almost a suburb of Portland now, but uh, when I grew up there, it was uh, uh, still a nice little farm town. Wow, so interesting. So did you have family members in the farming community, or that was just what the young people did to make some money? That's what the young people did to make money uh, when I was growing up. Uh, My dad uh, actually was a dentist in the community. That's uh, how we ended up there. Uh, He he began a, a dental practice there. Wow. And so was a medical career something you always dreamed about in your youth? You know, I would have to honestly say it was something that my parents always dreamed about in my youth. Um, My parents uh, both started out as laboratory technicians. Um, And uh, I remember at a very young age actually going into the lab with them. Labs were a lot different then than they are now. Uh, but uh, uh, one of the things that they they taught me how to do was to look through a microscope at blood smears and to identify uh, the different types of cells that you can see in a blood smear. And I remember that they were uh, quite taken with the fact that I could uh, point out things like neutrophils and eosinophils when I was about five years old. Maybe they thought they had something there, but in any case, I think it was always... Uh, their ambition, especially my dad, uh, uh, always had his ambition that I become a doctor. Uh, and uh, at some point in time, I I felt almost compelled to, um, you know, head in that direction, sort of like I was heading home or something like that. Wow. Now, did you have uh, siblings that had the same kind of encouragement? 
Um, my, my sister went in a very different direction. She was much more focused on uh, sort of commerce, and, and uh, she went into real estate and things of that nature. How interesting. So who are some of the people that inspired you while you were growing up? Um, you know, one, uh, one teacher in particular had a very large impact on me. Uh, her name, uh, was Althea Pratt. She was, uh, somebody who was very interested, uh, in, um, sort of, you know, pushing the envelope a little bit in terms of education. She was very interested in open learning, uh, classrooms, and I actually spent uh, two years, fourth and fifth grade, uh, in an experimental classroom that uh, she convinced our school district to support. And um, I think that uh, Althea guided me a great deal in terms of teaching me how to think and how to learn. And I think you know, it was uh, with her as a as a guide in those very early years that I uh, became, you know, really passionate about learning things and began to see the beauty of sort of, you know, connecting the dots and and um, you know being curious. And uh, she was certainly my most important. Influence. There were a lot of other great teachers. I love learning. I still love to read um, as much as anything else I can do. And, um, you know, I had some very, very wonderful teachers. And uh, I think those were the folks who inspired me the most. Well, when I read your bio, I, I just was in awe with your education, your medical specialties, teaching appointments. And being a healthcare executive on top of all of that. So this is a very huge question that you probably can't answer in one sentence, but would you share some of your key decision points and or inspirations along the path? Because you, you went from Oregon to Harvard, University of London, Stanford, School of Medicine in Massachusetts, Amherst, and then a residency and fellowship training at the University of Chicago Hospital. So there's just, do you, do you also have a love of travel? I, what 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 led I, to all these I, different places? I, I do have a love of travel, um, and you know, looking back, it all makes sense, right? Um, I think at the time, more than anything else, it felt like uh, when it was time to make a change, a door would open. Um, you mentioned going to London. I. I didn't really have anything lined up uh, uh, for after my senior year of college. I had uh, decided to take some time and perhaps work in a laboratory. I was a biomedical researcher at the time and wanted to continue to go in that direction. Uh, and um, uh, one of the um, faculty members at the college um, suggested I apply for a scholarship. Uh, and I said, hmm, hadn't thought about that. But uh, I went along, and he helped guide me through that process. And I ended up receiving a Marshall Scholarship to study in London. So the door sort of opened, and I took that. And when that time was done, another door opened, and I 
ended up at medical school and it just feels like uh, uh, as one part of my life was sort of uh, starting to wind down, another door would open. Uh, well, it is truly amazing to look at the wide variety of uh, not only universities that, that you attended, but then also the fact that you were board certified in multiple areas, internal medicine, pulmonary diseases, critical care medicine, and hospice and palliative care medicine. Uh, is that normal for many doctors? In, in the area of internal medicine, which is adult doctors, adult medicine, um, it's not unusual for uh, physicians to have more than one board. A cardiologist uh, will always first, uh, for example, have boards in internal medicine and then do specialty training in cardiology and get boarded in cardiology. And then they might do an extra year in, in interventional cardiology, and there are also interventional boards. So your cardiologist may well uh, have three boards. Um, uh, pulmonary and critical care are, are not always done together, but they are frequently done together. Well, and I also have a, a special appreciation for the hospice and palliative care medicine. So how did that, what drew you into that? You know, like I said, it all makes it, sense. Just the door open. <laughs> um, I, I went into uh, pulmonary and critical care medicine because I loved working in the intensive care unit. Uh, and I was a bit of an adrenaline junkie back in those days. I really liked taking care of the sickest patients. Uh, and uh, I also had wonderful mentors who inspired me uh, who were in that field. Um, and uh, so I pursued critical care in order to, uh, to be an ICU doc. Um, and I spent, you know, many years uh, in that field, really, really enjoying it, really finding uh, tremendous fulfillment uh, in that work. Uh, but when you're an ICU doc, you are necessarily uh, encountering death. You're necessarily helping patients uh, who you can no longer cure. You're also helping their families. Um, and um, uh, that is the reason that uh, I began to gravitate towards palliative care. I actually saw it as a very natural thing to do uh, as an ICU specialist. Um, and, um, you know, I had the opportunity to begin a palliative care program, uh, at one of the intensive care units where I was the medical director. Uh, and it was through that experience that I, uh, kind of got enough, uh, of that type of work under my belt to be able to sit for those boards. So it was, it was an outgrowth of my, uh, my passion for, uh, doing the right thing for people, um, uh, for taking care of people, not just with technical prowess, but uh, taking care of them with love, and and um, you know being able to, you know, give them the right care at the right time, uh, even when we were no longer able to to effect a cure. No, oh, I think that's such a beautiful thing, uh, and then you also got into teaching. So was that at the same time that you were doing some of these other things, or did you focus on uh, teaching at, separate from running these different organizations? Um, it, it was just um, 
you know, a natural outgrowth of what I was doing, a natural way to give back. I predominantly worked at hospitals uh, where I had residents, where I had young physicians. Um, I do love to teach. Um, and I also love to watch people learning. I think um, uh, one of the things that probably isn't on that sheet of paper is the fact that when I was the chief medical officer uh, at St. Joe's down in Stockton for eight and a half years, uh, I had the opportunity to start new uh, residency training programs uh, for young physicians down there. And we actually uh, began nine uh, separate residency programs uh, during my time at Stockton. It went from a a community hospital without residents to a teaching hospital with, at the present time, over 170 uh, residents. And so... Oh, that uh, that's exciting. I'm going to jump ahead because I know that you just started that at Sierra Nevada Memorial Hospital. Well, we just we just started a family medicine uh, residency at Sierra Nevada. And, and really, that uh, is a, a, a program uh, that uh, owes its origin to Dr. Glenn Gookin, uh, who is the uh, program director uh, for our new family medicine residency. But um, practicing medicine, taking care of patients, and educating physicians, as well as other types of caregivers, go hand in hand. Um, it's the way to uh, build community. It's the way to uh, continue to sort of, um, you know, feed the fire uh, and and train that next generation. And it really adds to the culture of an organization to be involved in education because it kind of keeps all of us on our toes. Uh, it keeps all of us motivated to show up as our best selves. Uh, and it is incredibly rewarding uh, to see young people blossom into, you know, caregivers who have skill and passion and love for what they're doing. Well, you're listening to Sages Among Us on KVMR. I'm Lori Burkhart Frank, and I'm talking to Scott Neely, MD, FACP, which stands for Fellow of American F- Physicians. Um, I had to look that one up. President and CEO of Sierra Nevada Memorial Hospital since March of 2022. Well, I can see how your doors open up in your career. I, I'm, I'm, I'm in the flow of these things right now, just talking to you. And I was just wondering what led you to become a healthcare executive? Because, you know, sometimes it seems that that uh, leading an organization might take somebody away from what they actually love doing, which is direct care with patients. So what led you to that position? Uh, Really a a journey that probably spanned close to 30 years led me to this position. Um, uh, Very shortly after I finished my training uh, in the mid-1990s, I was was practicing as a a critical care doc, um, and um, uh, I began to be very interested in uh, quality improvement uh, and safety. and um, those were areas uh, that were not deeply evolved uh, in um, in medicine at that time. Oddly enough, since we strive so hard to get good results for our patients, you'd think 
that we would uh, study outcomes and and study things like quality improvement. But it wasn't a high was not a highly evolved field uh, in medicine at the time. And in fact, uh, um, uh, what's the word for it? Individualism was uh, actually far more valued by many physicians uh, than uh, uh, process improvement or following, you know, a uh, you know a protocol, for example. Um, and um, uh, in fact, there was quite a bit of pushback uh, from some providers uh, back in those days when you said, "Well, you know what? If you see a patient uh, with pneumonia and you do this, 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 and this in a timely fashion, uh, evidence shows that you get better outcomes for your patients." And um, in some cases, the response was, "I know what I'm doing. I don't need a cookbook to show me uh, how to take care of a patient." Um, but gradually, over the years, um, uh, uh, we've really developed an understanding that studying outcomes and studying uh, the best way to get those outcomes makes a difference for people, and it results in, in people being cured more often. I had a real passion for that uh, early in my career. Um, and, and gradually, medicine changed and uh, opened another door, uh, and that door was uh, being uh, a leader who helped medical staffs, medical organizations to get these things done. Um, and um, uh, I really uh, got my most important opportunity to um, do that kind of work in the in the aughts when I became uh, uh, the medical director of an intensive care unit and had an opportunity to start a new intensive care program for that hospital. Uh, we implemented some processes that um, uh, resulted in um, really massive uh, improvements in outcomes for patients. We saw mortality rates for patients presenting with uh, sepsis, for example, uh, drop from 30 to 35 percent down to below 10 percent. Wow. As a result of some of the work that we did. Uh, and, um, you know, there was a, a growing um, uh, emphasis uh, in medicine at that time on really measuring outcomes, getting better outcomes for patients. Um, and um, so I began to, you know, get some traction and actually to be able to make a living at, uh, at leading this type of work. Uh, and, um, you know, fortunately for many years after that, I was still able to do bedside medicine uh, while I... Um, uh, progressed through some of these leadership roles, but uh, increasingly, I I just found it so incredibly rewarding to know that uh, the work that we were doing was not impacting just my one patient, but was uh, impacting dozens and even hundreds uh, of lives uh, as a result. Well, of, again, of this work. I can see how those doors open. It just, like you said, looking back, it makes such perfect sense. Yeah. Um, I, I'm just so excited that we do have you here in our community leading our wonderful Sierra Nevada Memorial Hospital. So how did we get so lucky? What 
what drew you up here. So who wouldn't want to come up here? Well, I totally believe that. I think we are an incredible community with incredible people, um, absolutely beautiful. But, you know, you have been all around the world and doing a variety of, of programs. So what was it that sold you on coming to moving up here and, and changing your life to be part of Sierra Nevada, to lead Sierra Nevada Memorial Hospital? Uh, well, at the time that the opportunity presented itself, I'd been the chief medical officer uh, at St. Joe's in Stockton for about uh, eight and a half years. And um, uh, the uh, president of the Northern California Division for uh, Dignity Health, Todd Strumwasser, uh, was uh, uh, a friend of mine and somebody who I had uh, known for a number of years. And uh, I simply noticed that uh, he was recruiting a hospital president uh, for Sierra Nevada. Uh, and uh, that was a step that uh, I felt ready to take. Uh, in my career, I was, I was anxious to have the opportunity to sort of uh, take that next step, take on that new responsibility. Uh, and I had been up here because I had uh, uh, come up here uh, on at least two occasions uh, to uh, present uh, uh, some lectures that I had worked on uh, around blood transfusion. Um, and so I knew, I, I knew where, where it was. I knew the hospital. Um, and, uh, you know, knew it was a, a, a beautiful community. Um, and, uh, so I asked, uh, Todd, uh, you know, is this, is this something you'd consider me for? And he was very enthusiastic about, uh, uh, me applying for that position and, and, um, uh, uh, that door opened and, uh, uh, I stepped through it. Uh, I, I, uh, have not regretted uh, it a single day since I came up here. I, I, the hospital is a wonderful place, and it's a great team of people. Um, we're supported by an incredible community. Um, I think that you're familiar with uh, Sandra Barrington and the uh, the work that our Sierra Nevada Memorial Hospital Foundation uh, does in supporting us. Um, uh, it is always great to be part of a wonderful team. Um, not all of us uh, get to, you know, suit up with Steph Curry and play for the Warriors, right? Um, but uh, uh, some of us are lucky enough to, to be a part of a great team uh, at one or other time in our life. And it's, it's really wonderful to be part of the team up there. Uh, we have uh, a terrific leadership team. Um, Great, great uh, nurses and uh, and managers, and you know all of the caregivers. I, I like to say that every everybody who works for us there is a caregiver, whether they're helping to prepare food or helping to keep uh, the environment sanitary. Uh, it's just a wonderful organization, and we have uh, incredible doctors uh, in Western Nevada County uh, who uh, do a marvelous job of partnering. Uh, with the organization, so uh, it's it's well, not hard to love. Uh, it, I agree. I think we have an incredible hospital, and I think it just sounds like a perfect match. And especially when you were talking about the residency program in Stockton, St. Joseph's, that you started, and how it's grown, and and what do you see for our 
brand new residency program here and how it might grow in 5, 10, 20 years? Well, um, we do have the opportunity to uh, uh, continue to grow that program. We've welcomed our first two residents, Nick and Kelsey, um, and uh, they're going to be spending a little bit more time at Methodist Hospital this year, but then they'll be full-time up here uh, after that working at the hospital and and working with our partners uh, Chapa Day. Um, I see a real opportunity for us to grow that program uh, uh, probably in two to three years we could look at increasing the class size from two residents a year uh, to four or even six residents a year. I think we <clears throat> absolutely have that opportunity. Um, I, uh, in terms of other residency programs that we could start, that is is less clear because uh, those programs tend to require a lot of subspecialty training. Uh, we're a natural mix for a rural track primary care program, which is what we're doing. Um, and, but we, uh, we already are uh, training family medicine docs uh, in obstetrics and gynecology up here, uh, and I expect to see that continue to grow as well. Well, it's so exciting, and we, and we have so much more. I I had prepared all these questions, and I just don't know that we're going to just talk and talk. <laughs> it's and talk. great. I love hearing about all this. Uh, I do want to just touch on maybe for a couple of minutes on the fact that we're a not-for-profit hospital, and and because I I would imagine that there are a lot of people who don't who may be listening that don't realize that. Um, we're very lucky to have a not-for-profit hospital, but that does present, um, it, it's worth knowing. It's worth understanding. It is worth understanding, and and unfortunately, I could probably talk about it for a very long time. I know, you're going to have to come back. <laughs> I, I, think, I, I think the thing to understand uh, uh, in distinguishing for-profits and not-for-profits in healthcare uh, is the simple fact that for-profits... Um, have the purpose of not only delivering health care but of pleasing an ownership uh, and of making profits for an ownership. And the beautiful thing about not-for-profits in the healthcare industry is that we have the opportunity rather than uh, um, satisfying shareholders of focusing strictly on our, on our stakeholders uh, and that's principally the people we take care of. In a not-for-profit, while we do have to stay in the black in order to keep the doors open, um, when we do manage to, to make profits, those profits are all plowed back into the hospital, into the, the infrastructure, the capital needs that we have. Uh, and, you know, uh, one of the things that we're extraordinarily proud of uh, at Sierra Nevada is the fact that we give so much back to the community. Our, our community benefit, if you will, uh, which is uh, direct uh, <clears throat> contributions to the community as well as care that we give without being compensated for it, uh, amounts to well over $30 million a year uh, out of our pocket uh, and, and straight into the community. And I'm so proud uh, to be with an organization that serves in that way. Oh, and again, we're just so lucky, and, and hopefully people understand how lucky we are. We are really running out of time, and I have a question I always like to ask at the end. Um, 
so in a, in about a minute, could you tell us if you had the chance to uh, wave a magic wand to improve something in our community or or a problem that you could solve? Uh, what would what would it be? Well, obviously, at the hospital, we do sick care. We take care of people who need oftentimes emergent or very urgent care. Uh, and and it's an incredibly valuable thing that we do. But in reality, that's a very small part of what living a healthy life is about. Um, and, um, you know, my, my aspiration would be to uh, really help people to uh, be well, uh, to live healthy lives. Only about perhaps 20% uh, of our outcomes in terms of how healthy our lives are uh, depend on medical care. The rest of it depends on how we live our lives, um, what we eat, whether we deal with our stress, things of that nature. Well, I'm going to have to thank you so much, Dr. Neely, for coming on the program today. And you've been listening to Dr. Scott Neely, CEO of Sierra Nevada Memorial Hospital. The purpose of this program is to inspire and invite people to participate in the betterment of our community. Discover how you can make a difference by tuning in Wednesday.